welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast, where we discuss dynasty strategy, rankings, and all things NFL. So get ready to geek out on fantasy football with your host, Rich Dotson. And welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Rich Dotson, here with my fellow... Oh, wait a minute. I'm here by myself. Uh, we ran into some technical difficulties. We actually recorded the whole podcast. Uh, thought we had some stuff worked out. I'll uh, have to figure out what's going on. But the whole thing recorded with just my voice and everybody else was in and out. Uh, it was actually me and at Dynasty Nerd Mike, Mike Zipovich here, and it did not go through. So here we go. Take two by myself doing the podcast again. I will try and rehash what Mike said as well and cover some things that we had going on here during the podcast doing our week nine fantasy football week in review uh for dynasty fantasy football and go over kind of what we learned this week uh you know we started off with that new orleans carolina game cam newton's in a huge slump right now uh just he he doesn't have a lot around him i mean they carolina hasn't done a whole lot for him this year he's got kelvin benjamin who looks great and looks like a dynasty steal or good value that you got in the first round and somebody could build around. But besides that, and Greg Olson, there's not really much more to be happy about. Their offensive line is horrible. Their running backs are in disarray. Neither of those guys can help. Daniel Williams holds no value, and Jonathan Stewart holds no value. So Cam's in a big slump right now and hurting a lot of owners. And it's something that we're going to have to hope that the GM there next year builds around Cam. I mean, the whole offseason should be looking to build around Cam and what they can do to help Cam and make him better. Because right now, Cam Newton's just not, honestly, he's just not worth even starting at this point. Uh, moving on to what we learned in Cleveland in that Buccaneers game. Right now, the Cleveland running back situation is in complete disarray. Isaiah Crowell, you know, he's gotten... One carry in two games, and this is a guy that some people thought was better than Terrence West, and the Browns' front office would kind of disagree because they're not using him. Terrence West out-touched Ben Tate 16-14 to 14 last week, and it looks like Ben Tate's kind of in the doghouse. Uh, you know, the loss of Alex Mack has really hurt the Cleveland Browns' offensive line. It's really hurt their running game. It's hurt their offense in a whole as a whole because they're asking Brian Hoyer to beat Teams are asking Brian Hoyer to beat them, and they're stacking the box. It's hurting the running game, and Ben Tate has struggled. You know, he had three yards on 10 carries last week, and that's not good enough to get it done in an NFL standpoint, and it's certainly not getting enough done for your fantasy value. And Mike was here in another podcast. He, he apologized because he told a lot of people to start Ben Tate. So he wanted to make sure. He's like, hey, when you record this, make sure people know that I'm extremely sorry about the Ben Tate. Uh, advice I gave him, and we sat, we, me and Mike, sat here on the pod- podcast that no longer exists anymore, and discussed how the Browns' running back situation right now is kind of hard to trust going forward, and what they're going to do. I am under the belief that I think that after this year they're going to cut Ben Tate, and they're going to go with Terrence West, and they're going to go with Isaiah Correll, and. Tate's only on a small contract as it is now. He owes, he's owed $2.2 million next year. There's no reason to pay him that money when you got young backs that can almost do the same exact thing that he can 
which will be better for them as well going next year because Alex Mack will be back next year. There's a good chance they might take an offensive lineman with one of their first-round picks as well. And we saw when Alex Mack is in there, the Browns had had a top-10 Russian offense, and now Mikey brought the attention that they're down like in the late like late twenties, so it's a huge, huge one eighty there in Cleveland. And right now, I you can't trust any of them. Uh, if you start Ben Tate, you don't know what you're going to get. If you start Terrence West, you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, did three times, ten times as good as Ben Tate, but that's for thirty yards. And that's again, he had a touchdown which helped and which saved. If you started Terrence West, which saved you, but again, that it is still not enough. Now, on the other spectrum of that. You have Mike Evans, who had his breakout game this week. He, two touchdowns, 154 yards, showed us why he was a number two in the some of your guys' leagues, number one overall rookie pick. And, you know, Mike Mike Evans kind of been like an afterthought right now because all these other rookies have been striving in their offenses, and they've been doing a lot as a rookie. And Mike Evans has kind of been in the back, which is what most rookies do. And Mike Evans is in a bad situation. He had Mike Glennon throwing the ball, and it was announced today that uh, Josh McGowan will start on Sunday. Anyway, either way, the the quarterback that will be throwing Mike Evans the ball down the road is not on the roster. It's probably likely going to be Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota, which still is going to give you time to wait on Mike Evans. He's going to have ups. He's going to have his downs. But when he finally gets into his groove around year three, you should have a really nice wide receiver one on your hands. And he showed that this uh, Sunday versus the Browns that he can put up big numbers. And his size, his athletic ability puts your team in really good shape down the road. And you just have to have some patience with him. And this is a really strong rookie class. And, he's, again, he showed why he's the number two overall rookie pick and why some had him as number one overall, even though we still believe Sammy Watkins is the clear-cut number one receiver there now Tampa Bay also there's some news came out today that I read that Doug Martin now might be number three on the depth chart yes Doug Martin might be three on the depth chart my at the mighty have fallen hashtag two to three year window goes to show you why you build your team around young wide receivers when you're building a dynasty team because those running backs come and go so quickly I posed a question to Mike when we did the podcast. What, what's more devastating, having Doug Martin, who had the monster rookie year and looked like he was going to be good for the foreseeable future, and right after that pick went David Wilson, who had a couple good games, then was injured, and never really played again. We both agreed it was Doug Martin. Nothing's worse than having a tease like that, you know, with a first-round pick and just – just completely just fall off the map. I mean, Doug Martin, if you did a dynasty startup draft this year, the year before, Doug Martin was likely a late first to second round pick, which kills kills your dynasty team. There's nothing worse, even as a rookie, when you take these guys in the top five and they bust out for you. I mean, these rookie picks are the picks that you rely on to turn your franchise around, to get you out of those top tier picks or if you have that one off year where you had a whole bunch of injuries, you finally get a top pick and you waste on something like that, and it was all for naught. It, it It's guys like that that make you always want to lean towards taking that young receiver, but the instant gratification and 
the need of always needing a running back always pushes those running backs up. Clear choice, clear example is Bishop Sankey this year. Again, I, I had Carlos Hyde as the number one running back, but either one, either way, with all these receivers such as Devontae Adams and Kelvin Benjamin, Jordan Matthews, Brandon Cooks, that would you know possibly went after this you know after either Hyde or Sankey, they're much better value. They're much better long term value for your dynasty team, and it just stinks. And Doug Martin's now his ankle is iffy, and they're saying even when he comes back, they're going to see what they have in Charles Sims. It's somebody that I like a lot. You know, I liked him front of West Virginia, six foot, get some Matt Forte comps. I like to see him. I like to see what he's going to do because right now he's a big mystery and you never know what you got until you actually get him in the field. But there's a strong chance I believe Doug Martin's not going to be in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next year. I, you know, the, the coaching staff has re- really fallen out of favor with him. He's been really bad in pass protection. Honestly, he's been bad for two years. So it's not like, oh, you know, Doug Martin is just having a bad year. It's really been a bad two years, um, injury or no injury last year. And it looks like the coaching staff is not happy with what they inherited. And he is likely going to be gone next year. So Doug Martin owners are in really bad shape. Uh, hopefully you were able to get a piece of Charles Sims because it looks like we're going to see what we have in him. And Charles Rennie is still going to get his carries, who did pretty well versus Cleveland. Uh, some other games we have going on here. The out, uh, the Cardinals and the Cowboys, pff, Brandon Whedon showed you exactly why the Browns gave up at, on him after two years, uh, after taking him in the first round pick. He is completely inaccurate. He's a horrible, horrible quarterback. Uh, you know, for being a two year NFL player, the guy's old as dirt, and I mean, he is gonna ki- he just hurts the value of all the Cowboys when he's in there. They could put a position where they could stack the box versus DeMarco. And look at DeMarco. The guy has 100 yards every single game of the year. They start Brandon Whedon, poof, gone. No 100 yards. Des Bryant's yelling at him on the sideline, telling him to think. Uh, you know, I, me and Mike went to the Browns game together this week. And I think it was like the third quarter. And I'm like, wait, Des Bryant has no catches? And then Mike looked at his phone and he said, uh, I think Brandon Whedon only has two completions so far through the game. And I didn't even think that was possible. I mean, I think I'd be able to come away with more than two completions in the NFL. Probably not, but I'd say there's a chance. Uh, but yeah, but Brandon Whedon, hopefully this Tony Romo thing injury is not too lingering, and hopefully he can get back in there to help because, I mean, let's face it, Des Bryant and DeMarco Murray are huge, huge components to us winning championships this year. And we're entering week 10. I mean, there's, you know, most dynasty leagues have a 16 playoff, and those are going to start right around week 13. So we only have three more weeks here to make the playoffs. And most dynasty leagues you'll have that are established, you're going to see the bottom of the barrel teams that are have really bad records, which are going to be a couple. And there's going to be a couple good teams that have really good records. But a lot of that's going to, you're going to see a lot of parity in the middle. So a lot of us are making our push here to get into the playoffs. And now week 10, it's this is it. I mean, there's no time to be fancy. There, you were getting ready to go through the buys here, and we want to really make a really strong push. And guys like Brandon Whedon can really affect that. So you got to be aware of those situations, and you got to be aware of your matchups because now is not the time to make 
risky maneuvers and just hope something happens. You got to put your best possible lineup that you can put in there this on a weekly basis. Uh, Philly Houston, Nick Foles breaks his breaks his uh, clavicle, and now Mark Sanchez is the quarterback. Mark Sanchez is probably me and Mike talked about how he's probably the best backup quarterback in the NFL in a really good system, which is going to help Mark Sanchez. Is going to be a top end fantasy quarterback? No. Will it be somebody that can get your bye during, you know, a bye week or an injury? Yes. And, you know, in our Dynasty Nerds League, somebody picked up Mark Sanchez off the waiver wire. Again, is this a long-term answer? Probably not. I mean, we've seen a lot of Mark Sanchez. We've seen the butt fumble. I just like to say bring up the butt fumble because it's fun to bring up. But, I mean, Mark Sanchez is not the future. And if you're relying on fan- Mark Sanchez to get your team to the championship game, you're in a big trouble. But, again, I mean, we talked about Jeremy Macklin having an, another big game who's finally, it, it's safe to say that he is a wide receiver one. And he is in the top five of fantasy points this year. But hopefully he resigns, like I said last week. I, I hope, really hope he resigns with Philadelphia because this is a guy that was a first-round rookie pick that is finally coming to his own in this system. So it would be really smart for him to stay here. And if you were able to get your share of Jeremy Macklin while he was injured or early this year on a you know, high upside, high-risk kind of deal, kudos to you because he, he looks like he's going to be here for a while as a wide receiver one as long as he can stay healthy. Uh, in Houston, they're talking about possibly replacing Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. I don't know who they're going to do that with. Uh, it's not like Tom Savage is an answer there. Their quarterback of the future is definitely not on the roster. Um, in San Diego, Brent Oliver, again, another bad game out of Brent Oliver. Ryan Matthews is about to come back. A lot of people asking, is Brennan Oliver worth a hold? And I, I'd, I'd say, yeah, because I like what I've seen out of Brent Oliver, but he's probably going to be a running back by committee kind of guy who is going to get some spot starts or an injury, which would make his value a little bit more valuable, I guess is the best way to put it. And I like Brandon Oliver. I, I like what I've seen, but it is a shame that I've seen him get worse. He had a really strong opportunity there to get a good stranglehold in that job. And he started off strong and he kind of diminished that as he went along. And Ryan Matthews is going to come back. He's going to be the starter there. Uh, Adrian Peterson, a, in court today, he got his he plea bargained. There's a chance he might come back this year. And Mike and I went into, when we recorded, we, we went to in-depth is now is going to be the time, if you want to trade for Adrian Peterson, to do it. Uh, I guess at the time, actually, we talked about Calvin Johnson now being the time, but before we get into that, we, Adrian Peterson kind of spun out of that. And the case being that if you're going to make a playoff push and you could somehow get Adrian Peterson it, he he's going to be good no matter where he plays. He's going to be good. He can plug and play him. doesn't matter how much time he missed. He's been resting. If you can get Adrian Peterson, and Mike and I were trying to determine what would be fair value for Adrian Peterson. And we we said, like, if you're competing for the playoff spot or the championship, you're likely going to have a late first. So offer a first. Offer a first and a third. He's worth that. If he's going to play, if he comes back and he just plays a couple games for Minnesota, then, yeah, he'll help you. But if not, worst case, you get Adrian Peterson next year. 
It doesn't matter what team Adrian Peterson's on. It doesn't matter where he ends up behind what offensive line. He's going to be good. He's going to give you really good fantasy numbers. And, again, I'm not a big fan of what Adrian Peterson did. And he went from a player that I really liked and respected to a guy I really don't like anymore. But when it comes to winning a fantasy championship, he's going to be a guy that can help you get there. He's an elite talent. He has Hall of Fame talent. We'll see how this tarnishes his legacy. But, again, in the NFL, once you come back and you start doing really good again, people forget and people forgive pretty quickly. Uh, I won't ever forget kind of what he did. It's kinda, Again, it will always tarnish my image of AP from a guy that I really liked coming out of Oklahoma. Uh, always thought was going to do good. Came in really, really tore up the league and, Again, I th- I think it's going to happen when he comes back. And does he come back this year? There's a small chance. There's there's always a chance that he can come back. And if he does, he's going to help you win a championship. If because he's going to play, there's nobody on Minnesota that's going to keep him back. I mean, Matt Asiata came in, had two touchdowns, kind of vultured away from Jarek McKinnon. Again, which shows that you know that they're they're not really in love with either back. And I always see McKinnon as like a running back by committee, third down back. Something that can come in, be a spot start, flex play kind of guy, but nobody that's going to be, he's not like Andre Ellington. You're not going to start him in Minnesota as a on a weekly basis and feel comfortable doing it. Will that happen down the road? Possibly, but as of right now, I mean, you definitely want an established running back. And Matt Asiata is a plotter who can get the job done in situations, but again, he's something that you're not building your roster around. Uh, in St. Louis, Zach Stacy came out with zero points again. Frank Gore wasn't utilized on that last drive, and James Laurinaitis came out and said, I was really surprised that they didn't use Frank Gore in that game at the end, and I was kind of surprised too, and it might say a lot what they think of Frank Gore. His role is kind of diminishing. His value is kind of diminishing, and Carlos Hyde is the future there. It's just kind of, it was kind of, it was, it was odd. It, it's weird Frank Gore's usage this year, and we knew Frank Gore, with age-wise, his value is, you know, out the window. But it seems like now you he's somebody definitely that you cannot start the rest of the way. A uh, couple other things that we hit on. We were really happy with Derek Carr still. He looks really, really confident. I was tell, we were talking about how Mike got him after the top three quarterbacks. And it's something you have to feel really comfortable with Carr. With how he's doing in Oakland. And his long-term value because, I mean, he has no running game. His offensive line's shoddy. His receivers, he has under homes, but nothing great. And he still looks like a very competent quarterback as a rookie. And I feel really comfortable as Derek Carr as my quarterback three right now. And something that I drafted, the plan I had for for three years. Because he looks like he has some really good upside. And if Oakland can really start to build around him, you you might have a nice QB one here in about three, four years, maybe even three. It depends how what we can see Oakland can do during the draft and free agency, which they have not really attacked and done really well with lately. Uh, another guy we talked about now in the Pittsburgh Baltimore game is Martavis Bryant. Martavis Bryant, is somebody that we've been talking about throughout the year. He's come in, and he's played these last three games. In these last three games, Pittsburgh has done something. They've pretty much, they're scoring more points than they've ever scored, ever. Ben Roethlisberger has done something that no big quarterback in the history of the NFL has ever done. I was thrown six touchdowns in back-to-back games. 
And in three games, in in those games, he he's got six, twelve touchdowns. Martavis Bryant's got four, so Bryant's got twenty five percent of that production. And Martavis Bryant, I know we had a question on uh, Twitter, and I'll get into some of these questions now. And it's gonna be funny now doing this by myself. We went from an hour and five minute episode. This one's probably gonna be about forty minutes. Uh but one of the questions I got on Twitter from at Matthew Cotters. Could Martavis Bryant beat to Alshon Jeffrey to to Antonio Brown, like a Roddy White, Julio Jones, or Marsha uh Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey? Or is that hoping too much? And I don't think that's hoping too much at all. And Mike agreed with me as well that Martavis Bryant coming in, we said earlier, Marcus Wheaton has some talent, but he's a smaller receiver. Antonio Brown's a smaller receiver. When you get into the red zone, Martavis Bryant's going to be your best option for a touchdown. He's 6'4", good hands, and speed. He's a real, you know, coming into the league, it took him so long to start because he was a raw receiver. This is a guy that always had talent, and at Clemson, he was behind DeAndre Hopkins. He was behind Sammy Watkins, and now he's really getting his chance to come into his own. And I like Bryant. I like his size. I like the system he's in. He's with a good quarterback, and he's better yet, he's got Antonio Brown to offset him. Now, this also helps Antonio Brown because when you get into the red zone, this is going to change the defensive schemes and how they eye up and who they eye up, where now they're going to have to pay way more attention to Martavis Bryant, who's scoring all these touchdowns. He's Again, he's 6'4", so what this is going to do is open some more stuff underneath if you put if if you're rolling Martavis Bryant out, which is going to help Antonio Brown, it's going to help Le'Veon Bell. So I think they have a really good young core there. And Antonio Brown, Mark Martavis Bryant as a wide receiver two, and Le'Veon Bell, and then use Marcus Wheaton in that slot as that wide receiver three. And I think this helps all their numbers. It's going to make Marcus Wheaton a wide receiver three possibly with a you know or a nice flex play. It's going to make. It's going to do really well for Martavis Bryant. And obviously, Antonio Brown is a wide receiver one. And Le'Veon Bell is a top-tier dynasty running back at this point as well. So Martavis Bryant going forward, the upside is really high. And can they be an Antonio – can they, do a, they be a Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, Roddy White, Julio Jones? Absolutely, because Antonio Brown compares to each and every one of those. So it's Bryant's upside that you're going to be looking forward to. And going from a really high third-round rookie pick, I mean, this is pay dirt. I mean, Brian, you know, you always see, too, that the third-round guys are the guys that have really high upside. If you go back and look at your rookie drafts, you'll see that out of all those third rounds, there'll probably be at least one guy that is really good. And Brian's going to be this the 2014 class of that. And maybe really good is exaggerating maybe we're being jumping to conclusions as uh three games but again i mean he's not in a fluky system he's not on a team that's going to have a lot of change i mean this is a good core that should stick around in pittsburgh for a long time i mean brian's on a four-year deal antonio brown signed his deal Le'Veon bell ain't going to go anywhere and obviously ben roethlisberger's not going anywhere so if anything they might add a younger tight end which will help the team and improve the offensive line, which has played well, too. So, again, Martavis Bryant, something I'm buying on. When we do the end of the year 
redraft, I guarantee you'll see him in the second round. I'd like to see where, where how high he really goes because there's so many good talent above him as well. But Martavis Bryant's arrow is pointing way up. Uh, while we're on Twitter questions, let me get to a couple more here. Um, at TSACO23 asked, should Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson be picked up? And this was, this was obviously a redraft question. So to answer that in redraft, he definitely should be picked up. And again, this is somebody you should trade for in Dynasty to make your push. Because if you can get AP for a first-round pick, then all right, do it. Uh, and Mike and I also hit up on att- attacking a veteran is Calvin Johnson. And it started before because we, t- we were talking DeAndre Hopkins and his value. And I under when Mike and I were talking, I underappreciated Calvin Johnson. for, And I can't remember how it came up, but I, I, I did. And Mike's point was when he he brought this this two minutes, he went into it about if you were ever going to get Calvin Johnson, now should be the lowest value in people's eyes that you could ever attain him for. Can you get Calvin Johnson for a young receiver and some draft picks? If you can, do it because he's going to come back and he's going to have success like he always does. And he's somebody that's going to help you win a championship. So his age might defer people. Uh, him. I have Calvin Johnson in a lot of my redraft leagues and some of my dynasty, and he's he's honestly killed me in a lot of my leagues. I've I've had to do with other injuries, but the Calvin one has hurt the most, and it's really hurting me my record in a lot of leagues. And you know that leaves a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth. I mean, it's what have you done for me lately kind of league, and that goes to fantasy football too. And Calvin Johnson might be somebody might have the attitude, hey, he's hurt, he's been hurt all, hurt all year, he got hurt last year. This ankle issue could be lingering. Uh, I got to get out now and sell high. Why? I still can. Uh, so Calvin Johnson's definitely something you should kind of go out and get, which goes completely off my question uh, at TSACO23. But here's another one from at Joey Yalman. Uh, Joey Yalman here, how are you feeling about Greg Olson long-term? And Mike and I read this question, and it was funny because we were talking about Greg Olson on the way down to the Browns game, and we were talking about hurricane tight ends and how her, the her, you know Miami Hurricanes keep pumping out like these great tight ends all the way back to Jeremy Shockey, Bubba Franks, Jimmy Graham, Kellen Winslow, uh, and Greg Olson, who Mike thought was overrated coming out of the hur- you know out of the Hurricane offense, and Greg Olson's long term value. What is Greg Olson's long term value? Who's having honestly a career year? He's under he underperformed in Chicago and until this year in Carolina, he hasn't done what he's doing now, again a career year. And Greg Olson right now is one of the you know, besides Kelvin, a key focal point in the offense. And I think his long term value is about two more years. Where Greg Olson's always been a top ten dynasty tight end or a fantasy tight end, which doesn't say much. I mean, Dwayne Allen is like the number seven overall fantasy tight end right now. And let, and this is why we say you want one of those elite tight ends. You want a Jimmy Graham, Rob Gronkowski, Julius Thomas. And even Julius Thomas these last couple of weeks hasn't been elite numbers. It gives you such an edge when you have one of those guys. And Greg Olson right now is in the top three, I think, fantasy tight ends, top five. And I see him staying there for the next two years, maybe three years, because Carolina's got to do a lot for cam they got to build around cam they got to get an offensive line they need another receiver maybe two more receivers out there and you know those are going to take a time to develop they need running backs more talent they get is going to help greg olson 
And until then, Greg Olson's going to be a focal point in offense. And that's going to keep him there for a while. So if you're a rebuilding team, sell Greg Olson now because this is going to be the most value he ever has. If you're a championship contender, you probably got two more solid years of Greg Olson production at a position that gives you an edge over your other teams. So having a top five tight end is definitely a nice thing to have. So you want to hold. If not, or you have another tight end you can kind of build around, now's a good time to sell on Greg Olson. The value is going to be, it's at his peak right now. Uh, now this next question, Mike and I, we went through and we spent a lot of time on this from Ad Justin. Nine five four six, and it's a good question. It's a really, really good question. And the question is, what teams do you see drafting running backs next year, or what running backs will be completely irrelevant next season? And when we went through the list, it was really, really surprising how many people we think will be irrelevant next year. And going down the list, we have Stephen Ridley will probably be irrelevant next year. Brad Jackson will probably be irrelevant next year. No, Sean Moreno will probably be irrelevant next year. Chris Johnson, um, Justin Forsett, Bernard Pierce. Uh, Titans, we have Sean Green. Toby Gerhardt will be irrelevant next year. Uh, not Ryman. Uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, irrelevant. And I kind of think Darren Sproles will be a little bit irrelevant too. And going through the Giants, you... You're going to have, uh, they're going to be drafted in one of it. That answers the other side of it. Will Reggie Bush be irrelevant? Probably not, but he's getting close to it. Matt Asiata might be irrelevant next year. And Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams will probably be irrelevant. Steven Jackson will probably be irrelevant. Doug Martin will probably be irrelevant next year. Zach Stacy will probably be irrelevant next year. And we'll see what happens to Ben Tate in Cleveland because if they cut him and they go with Justin For- or Terrence West and Isaiah Corella as their backfield, it it never it's never good to be a free agent running back nowadays because none of them get signed and when they do get signed, it's usually by committee. Now, who will be drafting running backs next year? There's a difference between there's a lot of teams here that's going to be drafting running backs next year, but will they be taking running backs like Jacksonville in the seventh round, Storm Johnson, or are they going to be reaching high and get a Todd Gurley, a Melvin Gordon, and a Amir Abdullah. Now, Mike, I asked Mike the question, who do you think will be the one team that, if you had to pick one team that would take a running back in the first round, that would take Todd Gurley? And he picked the Carolina Panthers. I'm kind of leaning towards the New England Patriots, but mostly because I think the Panthers need to work on their offensive line, but they really need running back help, and they gotta they got to help Cam out. So maybe Todd Gurley's a good pick there. Um, but teams that will be taking running backs next year, and we don't know how high, but they definitely need to take running backs. The Rams need to take a running back. And the Buccaneers, we'll see what they have in Charles Sims. But as of right now, they will probably need a running back. The Falcons will need to draft a running back. The Carolina Panthers will need to be drafting a running back. If the Saints don't resign Mark Ingram, they will need a running back. Chicago Bears, what do they do with Matt Forte? If they pick up that option, being in his final year of his contract, what do they do? Do they draft a, they do they draft an heir apparent? Do they think about resigning Forte for an extension? They're a possibility. The Vikings, can they hold, keep Adrian Peterson at this point? They'll probably be drafting a running back. Uh, the Lions, no. Packers, no. Redskins, no. Giants could possibly probably draft a running back here. 
Cowboys know, Eagles know, Raiders will be drafting a running back. Chargers will likely draft a running back if they don't re-sign Ryan Matthews. Chiefs know, Broncos know, Jaguars will be drafting a running back. The Titans will not. The Texans, probably not. The Colts, we'll see. They're probably not going to be drafting a running back high either. The whole AFC North should be good except for the Ravens who will be drafting a running back. And then the whole AFC East should be drafting a running back. The Bills will need a running back, certainly. The Dolphins probably won't draft a running back early, and they're probably good. The Jets certainly need a running back, and the Patriots will need a running back, too, with Shane Vereen, a free agent. So, again, I mean, Melvin Gordon, Amir Abdullah, Todd Gurley, wherever they go, they're going to be high rookie picks. Todd Gurley is going to be the number one rookie pick, most likely, unless you're desperate for a receiver and you really, I mean, you actually don't need to be desperate to want Amari Cooper, but. I mean, Todd Gurley's a special specimen, and so is Melvin Gordon. And the teams I see that really are going to need a running back are, I mean, I see the Patriots really need a running back. The Bills are going to need a really really good running back. My pick later. And, again, the Panthers definitely will need a running back. Uh, next question is from Matt, at Matthew Cotters. Our, oh, we already, we already got to that one, that Alshon one. But the last one from JE7F from Jeff here. Who has more value in 2015? Doug Martin or C.J. Spiller? And Mike and I both agree that it was C.J. Spiller. Uh, Doug Martin, again, <laughs> from his rookie year to something to last two years, nothing. And, you know, C.J. Spiller's going to be a free agent. PPR leagues, he has he has a great ability catching the ball and being electric out of the backfield. So I'd, we both agree that Spiller by a good margin. I mean, Doug Martin... Maybe he picks up somewhere. Maybe he signs in New England. Maybe Greg Shannon gets brought on that staff, and maybe they also sign Doug Martin, and they they go back to what they were doing with Doug Martin in his rookie year. But as of right now, you have to be really down on Doug Martin and his future. I mean, running backs have really – I mean, Marshawn Lynch did it, leaving Buffalo, going to Seattle, but it's going to be hard to bounce back. And, again, his pass protection is horrible. Second part of that question is, will Darius Green or Gavin Escobar? And Mike and I both agree that Ladarius Green is still the guy that we like his upside because Gates now had his one big comeback year this year, and he's held Ladarius Green in the back. And will he do it again next year? We'll see. But maybe this is a good opportunity for Green to learn the system more and learn behind a guy that's going to be putting on, you know, the gold jacket here in probably about seven years in Antonio Gates and see what it takes to be an elite all pro tight end i mean green's got good upside he's got good talent he's shown it through some games that he could be a tight end one so between those two i'm leaning towards green and i'm feeling pretty by good margin over escobar as well so thanks for the twitter questions you can always hit us up on twitter at dynasty nerds you hit me up on twitter at dynasty rich or hit up mike at dynasty nerd mike uh Going back to the games this week again, DeAndre Hopkins, another great game. And DeAndre Hopkins has some of the best hands in the NFL. And he's somebody that is kind of underrated in the fantasy world. It doesn't get a lot of pub where everybody's happy with him, but nobody's really talking DeAndre Hopkins. Do they have their quarterback of the future on the roster? No. I still kind of think Brian Hoyer is going to be the quarterback there next year uh, while they draft a quarterback and kind of bring him into their own but DeAndre Hopkins is somebody that if there's any way you can get him on your dynasty roster do it I mean this guy is just 
moving up the charts. He's a great, great receiver with really good upside. A wide receiver one at this point. So if you can go out and pick Hopkins up, do it. Uh, so again, I mean, this week, you know, another, oh, I didn't touch on the Jeremy Hill. And it's something we start the episode with. So I kind of skipped over that there. But Jeremy Hill. Now, Jeremy Hill came in and had a great game. And he showed, he kind of showed us what we thought we would see, where, you know, he would come in and be the one-two punch to Gio Bernard. And anybody that thinks that Jeremy Hill is going to come in here and be the starter running back now, that's not the case. I mean, Gio Bernard's the running back one there. And maybe now, maybe now for Jeremy Hill owners, he'll get a little bit more carries and maybe a little bit more goal line carries, which we, what we thought all along, what we thought in the beginning. And, I mean, bread and butter for Gio Bernard is his cat pass catching ability and how explosive he is. I mean, anytime he touches the ball, he's somebody that we think can go to the house. So Gio Bernard owners shouldn't be worried. Maybe cuts into his production a little bit, but not a lot. As Jeremy Hill owners, you got to be really happy uh, to show that he can do it. And why he was the number two running back selected in the NFL draft. So Jeremy Hill, it, hopefully his value goes up. A little bit here. Hopefully gets a little bit more carries. Hopefully hopefully gets a little bit more goal line carries. And it shows that anytime Gio goes down, then you have a definitely have a running back one on your hands there in Cincinnati. And uh it's it's a good thing to it's a good thing to own. <laughs> lost my uh lost my words there a little bit. Uh so again, that's our week that's my week in review. Um, sorry again that Mike wasn't here. Sorry we're having technical difficulties over here, but we want to still get a podcast out to you. So we tried to fix shore some stuff up. I came back here, recorded it by myself, and next week we should have it all worked out for everybody. And we'll have Matt back, we'll have Mike back, and we can get the whole troop back there together. Because it's way more fun when you have other people to talk to and bounce ideas off to and make fun of. And the sitting talking to yourself isn't really the same. But hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast still. Uh hopefully you guys learned something or if I learned if we if it was if that's even possible. But thanks for listening, guys. Uh make sure you hit us up on Twitter. You can hit me up on Twitter at Dynasty Rich. You get up the site at Dynasty Nerds. You get up Mike at Dynasty Nerd Mike or at Dynasty Matt for Matt O'Hara as well. And you know, also, if you guys, you know, get on DynastyNerds.com. Read, read the articles we put on there every day. Uh, check out the rankings that we update. And just use the site. I mean, really appreciate it. And if you also can, I, I've asked this a couple times, if you guys could get on iTunes and get on, get on there and give us a rating and even a review. If you can just at least give us a rating. If you also have an extra 25 seconds, get on there and give us a review, too. It really helps us out. It really helps out the podcast. Again, iTunes does it where the more ratings you have, the more the more you're on the front page, the more it gets out to other fantasy players. So the biggest thing you do for us that we really, really, really appreciate if you enjoy the podcast is get on there and just take a minute and give us a ranking and review. Again, it helps us a lot, helps us get out there, and helps us promote. Uh, get on the site. I mean, get on our forum, use our forum. We got some good people on our forum, and we're running contests on there. Right now, we're giving away Draftster Cash. And Draftster is a a website that we partner with. It's kind of like those other daily fantasy sites. And we have at Dynasty Tommy who writes his optimal lineup every week. And honestly, it's working. It's winning me money every single week. So except for last week, Tommy, got to get together over there. But again, Draftster, and I know that we're advertising with them. And I say this genuinely, though, 
I've used the other daily fantasy sites and Draftster, and I do like Draftster the best. It just they give you more options of playing better players where like the other sites they kind of like you don't love your lineups where drafter gives you the opportunity to love your lineup their value system is different than all the other sites and i really really enjoy it and right now i mean we're giving away twenty dollars ten dollars and five dollars to drafter for free um our contest we've been running is you said to pick two players to go over 100 yards i mean it's that simple to win a free 20 bucks in dynasty nerds t-shirt and a lot of people have won already and we've given away a lot of cash so uh, I know we're going to be updating a new contest here in the next week. So look for that. Again, just get on our forum. Get on DynastyNerds.com. Uh, support the site because we really appreciate it, and we put a lot of time into it to help you guys become better Dynasty players. So until then, guys, I will probably talk to you tomorrow because I'll probably have to do this myself for my sit and starts. So you have way, only one person to blame. Uh, again, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hopefully, I'll never have to do this again by myself because it's not as easy to talk nonstop uh, and not have ideas to bounce off people. But, again, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We'll talk to you soon. Until then, have a good one, guys. Thanks for listening. Ready, set, Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure to check us out at DynastyNerds.com for up-to-date Dynasty insight. And follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Nerds.